Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. And we're beginning a new year. And you can follow Israel and You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, AFR.net, Stitcher, uh, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify. You can follow us on Facebook at Israel Team Advocates or on our website, IsraelTeam.org. Israel Team is a nonprofit, and we do work on college campuses to try to uh, change the narrative and push back against the ever-growing tide of anti-Semitism on college campuses. I uh, wrote an article this week, and you can go to our Facebook page, Israel uh, at Israel Team Advocates, and it's an article about what happened in uh, Colleysville, Texas, last weekend in this synagogue uh, hostage situation. And I encourage you to go there either to our website, IsraelTeam.org, or Facebook page, Israel Team Advocates. And I talk about five things that Christians can do to stand with the Jewish people. And we must know that the synagogues in America are under attack right now. The Tree of Life Synagogue in, in Pittsburgh, the Poway Habab Synagogue outside of San Diego, and now in outside of Dallas, Texas. And so the womb that brought the moral law of God into the world, the promises, the covenants, the fathers, the patriarchs, and even Jesus, uh, who's actually Jewish, uh, were the Jewish people. They were the forebears. And so out of honor and respect for them, we need to give our voice as Christians uh, to stand with them during this time of rising anti-Semitism in America. So go to our Facebook page and you can read this, this article at Israel Team Advocates. So today as we begin this new year, we're in the month of January, I want to talk to you and give you a great word from Israel Team to you, your about coming into a new season in your life. And I want to talk to you about the beauty of waiting. And the passing of time is a wonderful thing. It's even better if you are patiently waiting as time passes. And there's so much around us that teaches us to wait, to despise the passage of time. But like the farmer, he, he sows the seed into the ground, it germinates, it takes root, uh, he waters it, he nurtures it, and then he waits, and he waits, and he waits until a harvest comes. So we eat fast food because it's fast, but oftentimes it's not really real food. And we use microwave ovens because we don't want to take the time to heat things up on our stove. We use credit cards rather than saving until we can afford an item. And when we're in a trial and a test, we oftentimes want instant deliverance. And I've always said that it's not the sting of a trial that's so painful. It's not the sting of loss that's so painful. It's the longevity of the thing. It's, it's waiting until we come out on the other side. So I find nowhere in the Bible where God delivers anyone out of a trial. He delivers people through trials, but he does not deliver us out of trials. Remember Noah and his family, they were delivered through the flood, not out of it. 
He worked for 100 years building the ark. He patiently waited, and he trusted that God would save his family. The children of Israel, God delivered them through the Red Sea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God delivered them through the fire, not out of the fire. So trials, testing, produces patient endurance. Uh, God is interested in the long game. He's interested not so much of what happens to us, but what happens in us through a trial. And in our world today, the, the attention span of most people is, is down now to, I think, three to four minutes. Our church services are planned to the very second. We go to the grocery store. We, we want to go to the line that says no waiting, 10 items or less. I don't know about you, but I find myself when I get into the no waiting, 10 items or less line, I find myself counting the items in my neighbor's uh, cart you know, thinking, hey, they've got 12 items. That's, that's going to cost me another 30 seconds here in this no waiting line. And so we, we go to the self-checkout line. And to save time, it, really there's no human contact in the self-checkout line, but it does save time. We, we have high-speed Internet. Our computers are obsolete when they're just a few years old. We're refusing, we're receiving information at an ever-growing fast pace. Uh, scientific efficiencies in everything we do. I was in the gas station the other day, and you may not believe this, but I, I live in a small town, and in my l- little uh, local gas station, the owner's name is Gary. He's been my friend for years, and so I never pay for my gas. Why? Because Gary has the old pumps, and so in order to pay for your gas, you've got to go into the little station, and he's the mechanic. He's working on cars, and he'll come in, and he'll take your credit card or cash. And so for me, uh, people that have lived here in this little town for a long time, I just fill out a little slip after I, I fill my, my gas tank with gas, and I put it in the cash register. Sometimes I don't even see Gary. I just put it in there. Then his wife sends me a bill once a month, and I, I go over, and I pay my bill the first of the month. Well, last week, Gary lost his mother, and so I went in uh, to pay my bill, and uh, I started talking to Gary about the loss of, of his mom, and we talked probably about five minutes. My car was still sitting in the, the gas lane. It's not a real busy gas station. Well, uh, someone that was new to town, not really interested in, in you know, <clears throat> talking to Gary, they came in really upset and yelled at me and said, sir, I've been waiting here for a long time for this pump. You know, get your car out of the lane. And my friend Gary, the owner, said, well, you can wait. And I thought to myself, you know, that, that should be how it is. We, we get so busy that we don't take time to, to help somebody that's, that's lost his mother. The family meal, we, we all eat in separate rooms, and we all have our televisions or social media in separate rooms. We, we don't want to take the time to talk as a family. We, <clears throat> we use diet pills that say no exercise needed. You can eat anything you want. Just take this pill, and you'll lose weight. I remember one time I, I got a little overweight. I went to my doctor, and I said, Doc, how long before I lose this weight? And he said, well, how long did it take you to put it on? I said, probably about a year. He said, well, give it a good year and you'll, you'll be back to normal. So we want immediate gratification. Our culture teaches us to avoid waiting like the plague. It's as, as if we're wearing a mask to inoculate ourselves against waiting. There was an interesting study back in 1972 at Stanford University out in California. And uh, they tested uh, children 
with marshmallows of all things. And they would put a child into a room and uh, the psychologist said, now, uh, if you will wait, you can go to this table and you will be able to get two marshmallows. But if you want instant, you know, taste buds are driving you crazy and you want a marshmallow instantly, you can have one instantaneously. Well, they charted these kids over a long period of time. And um, what happened was they left them in the room for about 15 minutes. And uh, the child that was, you know, okay with waiting to get the bigger reward, he waited for 15 minutes and then he got two marshmallows. But half the kids, they, they took the first marshmallow and uh, they didn't get the, the larger reward. And they followed these children, charted them over years and years of time. What they found was the, the child that waited, they had higher SAT scores. And in general, they had better life outcomes because they did not mind waiting. So I want to talk to you today about the power of waiting. And we're going to do some futuristic thinking. <clears throat> it's a new year, and it would be good to grasp the benefits of waiting as we start this new year. And our culture rejects the whole idea of waiting. But waiting is a biblical virtue. And in our world, there are actually five seasons. There's winter, spring, summer, and fall. Those are the first four. But I want to talk to you today about the fifth season. And it's a supernatural season of abundant harvest. But the only people who enter this fifth season are the people who don't mind waiting. You go to a restaurant, and if it's a really, really good restaurant and it's packed out with people, uh, the maitre d' hostess or host will say, uh, if you don't mind waiting, you know, it'll be about 20, 30 minutes. So if it's a good restaurant, you'll wait. If it's not such a good restaurant and you mind waiting and you're really hungry, you'll go grab some fast food somewhere. And so, so I say to you today, this is for people that don't mind waiting. And if you don't mind waiting, uh, you're in for the ride of your life. And if you have a childlike heart, you can experience the incredible joy of the fifth season of life. And would you like to know the name of this fifth season? Well, the Bible gives it a name. You can find this fifth season in the book of Psalms. You can find it in the New Testament different passages throughout Isaiah. So let's talk about the season. We, we look at it first in Luke chapter 12, verse 42. And it's Jesus speaking, and he says this, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food in the due season? So that's the fifth season of life. It's called the due season. And this season, uh, this word season comes from the Greek word kairos. And kairos is translated opportune time, set time, appointed time, due season or due time, definite time or proper time. And here in this passage in Luke's gospel, it's translated as the due season. Kronos in Greek is the Greek word for chronological time. Kairos is the Greek word for the kind or quality of time. And the scripture is very specific about the due season of life. And in every passage in the Bible that talks about the due season of life, it is an appointed and preserved time for those who have been faithfully waiting on God, for the man or woman of God who has been faithfully sowing seeds, but is 
yet to reap a harvest. They've been giving of their time to help others, but they themselves are still waiting for their harvest. They have helped everyone else bring in their harvest, but they have not come into the fulfillment of their dreams yet. But still, they keep waiting, enduring, staying kind and sweet under pressure. They've not lost their faith, and they refuse to give up on their joy. They keep bearing the burdens of others, even when they have lost their Uh, They have their own burdens. They continue to have faith that their harvest is still in the future. So they keep singing that beautiful song from the book of Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. They believe in the principle of delayed gratification and their faith-filled futuristic thinkers. They believe the words of the prophet Habakkuk are true when he says and proclaims, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, also translated due season. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So it's a futuristic time, your due season. It's an appointed time in the future. And these people have not saved their faith. They're like more like a Thanksgiving turkey that early in the morning, they put spices on the turkey, they, they fill it with stuffing, they put it in the oven on low heat, and they slowly simmer not to overcook it, but they slowly simmer it so the juices remain. Sometimes it takes six hours to cook a turkey, uh, depending on how large it is. So these due season people are tender and they're soft-hearted, uh, they're holy, walking in the fear of the Lord. They're like Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were patiently waiting And the scripture says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So they were righteous and devout, even though their harvest had not come yet. And the Lord is very loving to those who wait for that fifth season of life, the due season. It says in Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is your power to do it. So God is watching the way that you wait. And when it's your due season, he will not withhold good from you. It says in Psalm 145, verse 14 through 19, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. So when we come back from the break, we're going to continue to talk about this due season of life that's in your future and your harvest is coming. Let's see you on the other side of the break. Hi, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Our work is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're seeing a growing tide of anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism. The social justice movement is falsely proclaiming that Israel is violating the human rights of its neighbors. As well, critical race theory now being taught on evangelical institutions 
proclaims that Jewish people are white colonial settlers who have settled in a land that does not belong to them. This, of course, is untrue. 55% of Israelis are non-white. There are a quarter million Ethiopian Jews living in Israel, and over one million Arabs call Israel home. According to the FBI, there has been a 350% increase of anti-Semitic incidents in the last two years. As well, 70% of evangelical young people hold to a negative view of Israel. If this trend goes unchallenged, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within 10 years. Israel team needs your help. We are building centers for understanding anti-Semitism and the rebirth of Israel on evangelical college and seminary campuses. We do presentations about how the Nazis took over college campuses in order to brainwash the minds of young German Christians. We're building bridges of understanding through our nights to honor the Jewish people in churches nationwide. Will you help Israel team stand in the gap to fight the scourge of anti-Semitism? Israel team has received a matching grant and every dollar you give to help us build a bridge for the next generation will be matched by January 1st, 2022. You can donate today by going to our donate page at israelteam.org. And for your donation, we'll send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism, and What Can Be Done to Stop It. Be sure to leave your mailing address in the comment section so that we can mail the book out to you. Help us meet this matching grant by going to our donate section at israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel in You. Bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back. And we're talking today about your due season in life. It's a word of encouragement as we begin a new year, 2022. So you might be wondering if there's a scripture in the Bible that teaches us how to enter into our due season. There actually is. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And it says this, And let us not grow weary in doing good, For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Let me read that again. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. So this passage shows us how uh, to walk down this pathway towards our due season. So first of all, how do we do it? It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. So the question is, who are we to do good towards? And verse 1 of Galatians 6 tells us, If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So first of all, we are to do good to those who have fallen into sin. And we are to work towards their restoration. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. So do good to the burden. And there's lots of burdened people today. You don't have to look very far, very long to find a broken and burdened person to do good towards. People are burdened with fear because of this pandemic. People are burdened with their finances, perhaps over the loss of jobs. People are burdened with loss. I know my wife has lost three cousins in the last two months over the COVID issue. So first way to enter the fifth season of life is to do good to the fallen and do good to the burdened. Engage with people, carry their burdens, lift up one who's fallen in a spirit of gentleness. The Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. Encourage one who is discouraged. And I've got a word of encouragement for you today, and it's something I wrote a couple years ago. And this might really help you, might encourage you as you begin the year. It's called Start Over. 
When the devil has robbed and stolen from you the blessing that God has given you, start over. If you think it's the midnight hour for you and it's too late for new beginnings, start over. If you've given it your best shot and you've missed the mark, start over. If you feel like a failure, start over. If you're looking at the rut you're in and wondering how you got in this mess, make a new rut. This time, don't dig so deep. Start over. If your marriage has lost its spark and what you thought would be a romantic life together has turned into a rendition of Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, get a new spark. Start over. Husbands, if she's lost her trust in you, rebuild the trust. Start over. Wives, if you've given him reason to pull away, warm up to him. Start over. Fathers, when your children look at you and you know they've lost all respect for you, there's still time to restore things. Start over. If moms, if you deep down inside you feel you're not the mother you want to be or need to be, start over. Kids, if you're thinking when I come of age I'm getting out of this, this house, but there's a longing in your heart to be open and honest with your parents, start over. If you don't have a friend left in the world, start over. If everyone believes you're a crook and a failure, start over. If your reputation has been lost, start over. If you've made the papers and the news wasn't a marriage announcement or a job promotion, start over. If the past has caught up to you and you can't shake the remorse of what you've done, start over. If you've tried a million times to make a relationship work and it's only ended in failure, start over. If your entire life could be charted on a graph and if the line of the graph is going in a constant downward direction, throw out the graph and start over. It's not a matter of how many times you've started and failed, but how you finish. And you can finish strong, so get up and start over. So I hope that encouraged you today that it's a, a moment in your life when it doesn't matter what's happened in the past, you know, through the Lord's help and his love and his mercy, you can start over. So the first principle of coming into a due season is to do good, doing good to the fallen, doing good to the burdened. And to do good to others, you have to put their needs above your own for the moment. In the last days, the Bible says people will be lovers of themselves. And we live in a time of the selfie, where there's excessive love and pampering of the self. We live in a decadent culture, a culture that is always shouting at us to commit first and foremost to self-preservation rather than the preservation of a person who has fallen and can't get up. And the Bible says those who want to preserve their life will lose it. And we live in a culture where a godless worldview is at constant war with our biblical worldview. And one sure way to break out of the me-first self-preservation mentality is to find a burdened soul you can encourage and bless, someone you can do good towards. And then don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Verse 10 of Galatians 6 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. And so to enter your due season, first of all, do good. There's a second key in this passage of Galatians 6. It's in verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh 
will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So here's the second principle. Are you ready? Trust in God's law of a guaranteed harvest. And there are both positive and negative aspects to God's law of a guaranteed harvest. The positive aspect is if you sow good things, you're going to reap good things in due season. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. It's certain. There's no doubt about it. It's a law of God. Many people are deceived. They believe in sowing, but they can't believe for their harvest. And the positive news is from this passage, if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life eternal. It's futuristic. In the Bible, it talks about the crowns in heaven, and we're going to be judged according to our works. And every day, I know deep down in my heart that one day, everything I do, I'm accountable for. And I will one day give an account to God for my works. And so what I want to do in this life is I want to store up future treasures in heaven. I want to stand before the Lord one day and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So most things that we do as Christians in this life uh, have futuristic consequences because we believe in the blessed hope. And so we're sowing treasures in heaven. We're, we're looking for uh, an eternal life that is to come after death. So God has a law of sowing and reaping. And there's three laws within this, this principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. That's the law of likeness. So if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap spiritual things that are good. You reap more than you sow. It's the law of multiplication. So you sow good in this life, maybe 70, 80, 90 years or, or a little longer. And you know what you reap? Multiplication. You reap everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? So I sow in this just this little breath, this little moment of life. Life is but a vapor. So I sow good things to others. I do good to others. I follow the Lord in all that I do. I walk in his righteousness and my reward is not just 80 or 90 years of life in the future, but life eternal. And the third principle is you reap later than you sow. And that's the law of the due season. So those are the positive aspects of God's law of harvest. You reap what you sow, the law of likeness. You reap more than you sow, the law of multiplication. And you reap later than you sow, the law of due season. So there's positive aspects of this law. There's negative aspects. And in the negative sense, if you sow evil, it's the law of likeness. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap evil. And you will reap more than you sow. If you reap evil, you're going to reap more negative things in your life. It's the law of multiplication. Uh, sow to the wind, the scripture says. And what do you reap? More wind? No. You reap the whirlwind. So you sow to the wind, you're going to reap a hurricane force wind. That's the negative aspect of the law of the harvest. And then you reap later than you sow. The Bible talks about, you know, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. But in the end, uh, we reap death. So I'd rather sow good things and reap good than sow evil and reap evil. And we get so wrapped up in this life, don't we, with all the cares of life. And so to reward ourselves, we want something instantaneous to heal our pain. But it's much better to keep doing good to others, keep sowing to the Spirit, 
and not to your fleshly desires. And sometime in your future, you're going to come into your due season and you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of good things. So I didn't finish. We're going to have to pick this up our next time together. But I encourage you to keep doing good for in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Keep following the Lord. Keep walking in faith. And I'm believing this year you're going to come into your due season. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.